I'm glad that it tells you too. Like it prompts you just in case yeah. you were naked. <laughs> it lets you know, like, that's hey, Jonathan, part, put your shirt back on because this is. That's the first recorded. time I ever heard that, too. That's weird. Do you do a lot of Zoom calls? Yeah, but I don't think I've ever had like anyone record one. So. Okay, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, I think this is the second Zoom podcast that I've done, and it's it did it the first time too. But I, I do find that to be a strange factor, for sure. Yeah. That it shares that with you. What's up, dude? Thanks for coming. Thanks for being on the show. Man, I'm glad I can make it all the way to my own office uh, to be yeah. here for this <laughs> yeah. podcast. Technology definitely makes it a lot easier for people like you and I to connect, and I think that's uh, amazing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, dude. So I see those um, those plaques behind you, man. Those are fantastic, and I, I do want to talk about that. And I know that you're in the music business now, but you started off as a comedian, and uh, that's how I got wind of you. Was that you did comedy, and one of our mutual friends connected us. So I just want to know, um, like your story, man. Like, you know, how did you get started in comedy, and who were some of your influences as a kid? I guess are the first things I I'd like to dive into. Yeah, so as a kid, I was uh, grew up in Chicago. That's where I'm uh, from originally, and uh, I live in Nashville now. But uh, when I was younger, I, I remember watching, you know, going to like a, my aunt and uncle's house, and you can get away with more over there. But I remember watching like Andrew Dice Clay and Robin Williams and stuff like that, and being like intrigued, like, oh man, that's something cool. You know, I want to learn more about that. And I remember telling my mom and my dad that I wanted to like watch Andrew Dice Clay and my mom was like, no, you can't watch that guy. He's vulgar. He's a male chauvinist and all this kind of stuff. So what I would do is just wait until I fell asleep and then sneak downstairs and watch TV <laughs> and watch a stand up when I was like, I don't know, seven or eight years old. That's awesome. And then uh, I remember, you know, li- living in Chicago, of course, you know, they call it the second city and it's big like improv and, and stand up comedy and stuff there. And uh, we had like assemblies and the second city touring group would come and put on a show for us. So I remember that and thinking that was cool. That made a big impression on me. So they came and to then, your school. Uh, the, second, <laughs> the second city group, yeah. like the comedy group came to your school. And that's fucking amazing, dude. That's a big opportunity yeah. for kids in that city that most people in the country just don't even have a clue exists. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's awesome. Yeah. And it's really like when you're, when I was like kid growing up, I never thought like doing stand up or performing at that point. Like, obviously like I, I wouldn't even know how to get into it and I didn't for a long time. Um, but if I knew, I probably would have tried to gear myself towards that a little bit more. Uh, but when I remember when I was 10 years old, my same, you know, I had an uncle who I used to watch the dirty stand up shows at their house. They asked me what I want to do for my birthday one year when I turned 10. And I said, I wanted to go to Zany's in Chicago for my birthday. And they're like, all right, let's make it happen. So they called, said, uh, you know, my nephew celebrated his birthday. We want to, you know, bring him out there with some of the family. Do you guys do like party packages, whatever? And they're like, yeah. And then at the end of the call, I was sitting right there and they're like, uh, you know, it's his 10th birthday. They're like, oh, he's got to be at least 18 to get in here. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, oh man, I got to wait eight more years. So that kind of crushed it. But that, you know, I was into, into my twenties before I actually got started. So then, you know, a big gap of time goes by and, you know, I'm writing down jokes and my friends tell me I'm funny. I'm, you know, cutting up with them. I'm just, you know, conversationally funny. Couldn't figure out how to get started on stage though. And, uh, coworkers always tell me, Hey, you know, 
there's this guy that works in the business office. You should go with him. He does stand up. I was living in uh, Huntsville, Alabama at the time. And he would travel to like Nashville and Chattanooga and Birmingham and do open mics. And even then I didn't know what open mic was, but I was like, nah, I'm good. I, I'm, I'm not interested in doing that. And then flash forward a few more years and some friends mind we end up going to Nashville from Huntsville for just a fun night out went to an open mic they started heckling I made sure I sat at a different table than them because I was like <laughs> I'm not about to get like taken down by these comics but that's the first time I like saw like live stand-up comedy on a level where it was like not on tv yeah and I was like you know what I could probably do this yes so yeah so you that's got the I started thinking about it so basically you were like, man, these guys are just as good as me. They're just regular people and they're just telling jokes. They're just trying, right? That's what I find too, like especially in my region. It's like there's one or two people in every city who are really well and really well versed and they've been doing it for a long time. But most people aren't that good. So if you actually go up and you make people laugh at open mics, you know, you got a shot and people tell you that too. It's like a it's a weird like unwritten rule. People are like, Hey man, you you're good, you know, come back and I don't know. I I think that uh, I think that's dope, man. That's a that's definitely um, probably majority of comics like not majority, but I would say a good portion because that's how I got the bug too. Was a friend of mine who I worked with. Uh, we just were cool for a while, and I didn't even know he did comedy. And then one day he told me to come to a show, uh, and I and I went and I fucking saw him, and he crushed. And I was like, that's so wild that this dude that I'm just hanging out with every day, he's just a regular person. He's like going and doing all these shows and shit and living a double life at night. And it was like, this it's like intriguing, yeah. dude. It's like Batman or something, dude. You're like saving the day with fucking jokes. I don't know. I know that sounds grandiose, but it's like, I, I got this big idea of what it all is in my head, you know, fucking lights and cameras and all that. But that's how I felt. I was like I, the same way as you. It was just like a friend of a friend. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely like, unless you start digging and looking for a way to do it, you just don't know how to start. Like, cause you probably everyone's opinion is like they, they watch the people on Netflix or YouTube, you know, you know, wherever else you see like this comedy specials and you're like, how do I get one? And with starting out, that's what's even funny is the, you know, I'm probably guilty of it too, but most new comics are like, Oh yeah, man, I can do 30 minutes. I can do a special right now. You know what I mean? Fuck like yeah. you make your friends laugh and you think it's easy. And then you get up there and you see comics that are up there for like three minutes or like, so what else? Uh, what else do we want to talk about? You know, they they're out of time in three minutes. Just burned right through it. You know. Yeah, dude. I had a stinker recently, dude, and I've been doing it for five years. Like, dude, sometimes you just fucking. I went up for uh, like an audition for a club owner at another club, and uh, it was an open mic, and I was just like, I thought I was trying new stuff that had worked at op- other open mics, and I didn't really do material and i kind of got cocky a little bit and i just fucking was winging it dude and i did poorly and i noticed it but this is the bad thing this is what bothered me the most is uh other comics came to me after and they were like good set like three different comics (laughs) in my head i'm like no you like me as a person like you don't fucking don't say that like you shouldn't tell me it was good if it's not good you shouldn't do that that fucking like stunts my uh growth you know yeah, hundred percent. I think there's a couple things with that is, you know, one, yeah, they probably are, are like, you know, they like you as a person, but also like some comics would just say that to everybody. Like I, I've yeah. seen like when it's I do a show and I see like them go up 
and I watch someone just like kind of suck and they go up and say, good set, man. And you know, they're not like being honest. I'm like, okay, well, everything else this person's ever said to me, like this bullshit, you know? Yeah. I think so, a way, a way to do that like safely without like shattering their ego, but also without like, you know, giving them some false sense of hope is just like, Hey, it's good to see you out. Glad you're here. Glad, you know, encourage being encouraging yeah, in that the, way. Those kind of things. Cause like, yeah, it really part of this whole thing is going up there and failing. Failing is part of the success story too, in the end. Yes. So if you're going up there and you know, you stunk it up and someone's like, Hey man, thanks. I'm good. Glad to see you out here. Keep coming out. You know, that encourages them to come out and try harder rather than, Hey, good set. And you're like, ah, oh, I know I sucked up there tonight. Like, that's not true. You know what I mean? That, yeah. that false sense of hope that you just said is, is de- it's detrimental, you know, to, to growth, like you said. And also, you know, I notice that a lot in comedy scenes, if, uh, especially if it's like a comedian who books a lot of shows, I mean, they have bad sets too, but yeah. I see after the shows, everyone's just kind of like kissing their ass in hopes that if I kiss his ass, he might give me a spot on a show. And I don't like that kind of stuff, man. I'd rather you just be truthful and, and give me a spot because I'm funny. Or even if you just give me a spot because you like me, that's cool. But oh my yeah, God, I'm not going to kiss your ass for it. You're so right. And no one ever talks about that in this business. Someone trying to call my phone? <laughs> oh, no. I can't do this right now. Shit. That sucks. It came in through my computer. Are you still on there with me? Yeah, I'm here. All right. It disappeared. Still recording, it says. Okay. Oh, there we go. Yeah, there. My bad. Uh, All good. Starting to sweat. It's fucking. It's hot tonight, dude. It warmed up quick, man. Warmed up up here. Was it warm down there? Yeah, it was in the seventies all day. It's, it was a little rainy, but it, I think that just makes it more humid around here. Exactly. Same here, bro. It, it was sprinkling all day, and now it's hot as shit, and I'm sweating. It's the humidity. It's the first humidity of the year for sure. Feeling it. Uh, but yeah, man, let's uh, let's kind of get back into your roots of stand up. So you you kind of got the idea that you could do a show because you went to a show and you were like, "This is my thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna go try this out." What were the next steps for you? Um, first, uh, the next steps was, uh, just looking in my own town. Cause like I said, that was in Nashville. I hadn't moved to Nashville yet. So I was still living in Huntsville, Alabama at the time. So I was looking around to see, you know, what kind of comedy things were going around. And, and really other than headliners that were coming to like the, the event space, like the arena there and stuff like that, like bigger acts, there wasn't a lot going on locally. And I just happened to find like, uh, a Facebook page that said Huntsville needs comedy. So I like looked and I saw that they were going to this specific open mic, which wasn't even like a comedy dedicated open mic. It was just open mic for musicians or poets and whoever else. And there was like five other comics there. And so I went and I watched the first week that I found them and kind of talked to them a little bit, told them I was interested in doing it. The next week they're like, nah, get up there. So what they would do is they would each give us five minutes and there were six of us. So it was a 30 minute block of comedy. And, you know, we would thank the host because she was a musician and we'd like buy her tequila shots or whatever for, you know, putting us up because it was kind of like one of those things that, that she didn't really have to because it was a music open mic. And we would go up and do our little five minute set. And I remember when I went up, I was just like, man, if I can just make one person laugh tonight, you know, that's, that was my goal. And I locked in on this one table and it was like a, an older couple and their son, I guess it was a son's 21st birthday. And I noticed them laughing. So I just locked in on them the whole time. I was just pretty much just telling them my jokes and 
went through my five minutes, got off stage. The other comics came up and like rushed up to me and like, we just started chatting and they're like throwing ideas out there for me. It was like pretty, pretty epic moment to like get that confirmation. Like, Hey, I am pretty funny. Let's see where I go from here. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. The, the next night I called out sick for work and, uh, we, we came up with the same six people came up to Nashville to do an open mic. And, uh, that open mic was packed and it was a, you know, comedy op- uh, open mic. So it was just all comedians and they were filming a reality TV show here that night, which we had no clue any of this was going on. So my second time ever doing an open mic, I ended up on a reality TV show <laughs> doing comedy. So it was Holy kind of funny. shit, dude. <laughs> you just yeah. happened to the right place, right time. You called off of work and then happened to get on a TV show for comedy. The second time yeah, you're on yeah. stage. How wild is that, yeah, dude? Pretty funny. You got to think about that all the time, right? Like you're like that's probably one of the factors in your head all the time where you're like, I'm meant for this, right? Did that did it give you that belief? Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of like, man, I, I wanted to get into entertainment at that point. I kind of decided it, and for sure, you know, I I had done other stuff. Um, before that but then when i saw like hey i made people laugh went to a new city made more people laugh and they were doing a tv show and now i gotta watch a tv show see if i made it on there and that kind of thing so it was exciting and then i just kind of like rolled from there and i started doing chasing the tv stuff like trying to get in commercials and be an extra on tv so i got some of those things going and uh just just kept going from there i got on a few tv shows as an extra traveled for that kind of stuff and it was just uh, some cool opportunities that were coming those first couple of years doing comedy. That's dope, dude. That is dope. It sounds like you, you had a really great journey from the start, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It's been pretty cool the whole time. I mean, even now, I mean, like I, I don't really get up as often uh, the past little bit here just cause I'm focused more on the music side, but I still get up every now and then at Zany's uh, whenever, like whenever I send in my availability to the booker, they'll usually, you know, give me a spot. Uh, it's usually just on a showcase or something, but that's really right now all I need to kind of like work out all the, the kinks in my material and all that kind of stuff. Just keep it fresh. Uh, yeah. Top of my head. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like we were talking about before we were recording. It's like uh comedy's like crack cocaine. It's like you can quit for a while, but eventually you're probably going to do it. You're probably going to do it again. You're going to find yourself in a dark, you know, fucking underlit room. Like fucking, yeah. you know what I'm saying? There's, in a bad no, seedy uh, part of town, and you're gonna be gonna do comedy. You're gonna smoke comedy, bro. Yeah, there's no twelve step program for comedy yet, so no, we're there all fucking addicts, should so be. There fucking <laughs> there should be. I'll tell you what, dude. Well, this is the thing is because you can fall back on it, and in the industry, like if you're an actor and you like fucking lose your deal or whatever or if you're a musician look ti's doing comedy now what do you think about that by the way what do you think about ti doing comedy as a comic as a person who was like a booker at a club and professional in the business how do you feel about him just coming right in and headlining shows as a as a booker i think it's great because that's money you know what i mean so boom that's uh, a great way to look at it did not think you were going to say that if you're looking at it from that standpoint, it's like, hey, I can put someone up on a Tuesday night and they're going to sell out my club just by their name, even if they're not good. Dude, that's cool. great. I did not even think of that. You're absolutely right. As a fucking club owner, they're going to love that shit. Yeah. Damn. And that's how you see a lot of a lot of acts that, like, I, I'm, I've seen a lot of them come through the club when I was running the club, uh, which we haven't got to yet, but uh, I ran a comedy club for a little while and we would bring in acts that, like they pretty much they were popular on they were popping on youtube for a little while or whatever social media platform tiktok whatever 
but they saw their stage show might have sucked, but they sell out a Tuesday or Wednesday before we have to worry about the weekend. So that's money in all my servers' pockets. My bartender gets our my marketing budget up for the weekend to bring in the real act, you know, yeah. put more towards radio or digital ads, that kind of thing. So that's fantastic. So t- tell me that, tell me like how you went from sort of doing these shows and these commercials and started getting into the TV business to actually working and then eventually managing a comedy club in Alabama. What was that like? And then what yeah, were so- some of the crazy things that happened while you were there? Yeah. So, you know, it's a little bit drawn out, but you know, it, it's about seven year process up to lean up to that. I you know, was doing comedy. I uh, started in Huntsville, moved to Chicago for a summer, did some comedy there, met a lot of people, uh, started kind of making a little bit of reputation for myself, moved back to Huntsville, uh, did some more comedy and then decided I needed a change of scenery and moved to Nashville because it was a bigger city. Uh, I thought it'd be, you know, a little bit bigger opportunities there. They had a comedy club there and there wasn't a comedy club in Huntsville at the time. So uh, I came here in, in Nashville and started, you know, performing, meeting people, running shows. I, I ran shows downtown at the Hard Rock Cafe here, and uh, they had like a little upstairs room. And I was, you know, just doing it all myself, booking, marketing, you know, promotion, uh, hosting the shows, everything. And uh, I sold sold out like four shows in a row there. And, you know, Zanies and there's another couple of like comedy outfits here that were running shows the same night up against me. And uh, I sold my show out with just locals, like just a showcase show and Zanies who had a national headliner didn't sell out. And I guess the word got back to them. You know, they kind of knew me cause I had done a few things with Zanies at that point. And they, they just basically were like, Hey, you know, we're thinking about opening a club in Huntsville. We see that you kind of know what you're doing with some of this marketing and sales and, and that you're a comedian too. So you kind of have that right mindset. Uh, would you be interested in working with us? And, you know, since you're already from there, would you be interested in moving there? And so that ended up happening. We, you know, we talked about it. I worked from Nashville for about a year and would just drive to Huntsville every weekend, help with shows. Um, and then, you know, that got kind of old, all the driving, and decided, you know, yeah, I'll just move back to Huntsville and, and help out. So I did that for about three years. How uh, far doing, was how far was the drive uh, for the first it a, year? It was a it's a hundred miles from Huntsville, Alabama, to Nashville, Tennessee. It's like two hours. So I was, yeah, it's like an hour and forty five to two hours, depending on traffic. And then so you I would do driving. that every night, or you would stay for the weekend and run the show. I would drive in on like. A, I'll drive in on like either Wednesday or Thursday and come back on Sunday night. So you just stay in Huntsville while you're there. Yeah. Like the, you know, we had a comedy house, which, you know, where the feature and some headliners would stay sometimes. And so it was like a six bedroom house. So I would just take one of the rooms and just kind of like, that was my room whenever I was there and just, you know, hang out for a few days I was in town. But my wife got tired. Well, my wife now, she was, my uh, fiance, she got tired of me being gone every weekend, and so she was like, "Well, let's just plan this out, and let's let's just both move there." So, so you guys just both decided to take the trip down to to Huntsville and move for yep. for how long were you there uh, running the club? I, it, I was there for three years, uh, from basically 2016, which was like the building process, like they, they were still building it out. 
until the, you know it opened and then from there uh until 2019 is when i quit finally and did you quit to become uh a, um like a t or production i'm not sure exactly what you do or your exact title but did you quit to kind of get into the music business or is it was there <laughs> other things going on or yeah i mean i you're just tired I, of comedy kind of like no nah, I, I wasn't tired of comedy i was there were just some internal things where like i, I didn't agree with uh, the other management that was in place there at the club okay. and I voiced my concerns about that and the owners kind of didn't see it my way. And then I was also kind of tired of being in Huntsville. I'd lived there for a while. I loved a lot of people there. I had a lot of friends there still do. Um, but I moved to Nashville for a reason. And I was like, I kind of want to be in Nashville. It's where I want to be. It feels right. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my wife's, you know, that's where I met her. She wanted to be back here closer to her family. My family lives here too. So it's just like, a decision where it's like you know we did this we had a good run i asked for a bigger opportunity because of the club owners um they own several clubs so they were looking at possibly opening another club in another city and i was like well when you open that club i'd be interested in possibly just running that club for you because it was going to be in tennessee and uh their response to me was that i needed to lose some weight i was too fat to be a general manager of a comedy club and i was like all right that's, that's fine. Fucking, that's fucked you know, up. That's that. I've, I'm basically here at this club, putting in the work of a general manager, not getting the pay or the accolades for it. Um, I'll, I'll just, I'll just leave. I'll go back to Nashville on my own, and you can find someone else to help you run this club and see how it goes. So that's basically where we left it. I moved back here. I uh, got my real estate license. Was just going to do real estate for a while, and then I saw an ad on Facebook where they were asking for uh, help on an artist management team didn't name any like names of the artists or anything. I was just like, you know, all the stuff they're asking me, the stuff I'm pretty good at and can handle uh, the stuff that I was doing basically at the comedy club, a lot of it. And then responded to the ads, sent my resume in, uh, had an interview and, uh, they hired me pretty much on the spot. So. And then how long ago was this? This was two years ago or a little over two years ago. Um, it was right before all the pandemic stuff happened. Okay. And then what? What record? What record company did you end up working with? And you currently... so the the name of the the management company is War Dog Management, um, and the uh, the main artist that we manage is uh, artist by the name of Jelly Roll. Yes, and Nashville. I can I can see the the gold plaque behind you there. Did you film the video for that record? For the Save Me um, for Save record. Me? Yeah, it, so. A little bit of a funny story about Say Me. We were in the studio. We were working on the new album for with Jelly, and he had several songs he knew was going to be on the album. And then he, throughout the week, he just had this one. And it was very raw, just an acoustic ballad, which was different from, like, the rap stuff that he was doing. And it didn't really fit the project necessarily. And it was just so different. We were like, well everyone kind of digs it though. You know what I mean? It was just a good song. He kept pulling anybody who would walk by in the studio that, that whole week, listen to this song, tell me what you think. And everyone loved it. So we're like, well, let's just, let's just film something. So I wasn't there for the filming. Um, we, we had a couple of videographers and, uh, some, and, and Matt from our management team who actually filmed the filmed it just on two cameras, two quick little setup. And we had the video and we we're just like, you know what, let's just put it out there and see what the fans say. 
let them be the final judge if it makes it to the album or not. So we just like put it out there and it just blew up. It just went viral. It's an amazing record, dude. It really is. It's so cool. You got to be a part of it. And you were on the other side. You were on the side of it, not even knowing if people were ever going to hear it or not. It was just something you guys were enjoying at the studio. That's pretty cool. That's an amazing experience alone. The cool thing is it kind of like launched a whole nother avenue for Jelly Roll and, and a side of his music career where, we didn't even know that his fan base would like, you know what I mean? Like it's one of the best country records I've ever heard in my life. It's one of the best country records. That's what I, it's not a rap or any, it's a country record. Right. It's blues. It's like wild. It's 100%. Like there's no rapping on it, no hip hop track. It's just an acoustic guitar and a little bit of piano they put in behind it. And it just, it was a different vibe. And then from there, we're like, you know what? We could probably do this. And so if you listen to, his more recent albums he's put out. There's a little bit more guitars, a little bit more singing parts. And, you know, the last album put out, almost every song is a singing song. Yeah. Has one rap verse on the entire album. So you kind of like put it out there to see what we can do with it. And it's, it's even now, like Dead Man Walking is a straight rock song and it's on its way, you know, on the rock charts. It's in the top 10 right now. And it's, who knows? We're, we're hoping it makes it to number one. Yeah, no, that's a, I hope it does too, dude. That's the thing with music is like, I think he's had such a big fan base for so long that he's like aging with his fan base. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's like, as yeah. we get older, we all get different tastes in music and stuff like that. And we like to mellow out. Hi, sweetie. That's my daughter. She made her guest <laughs> appearance. But yeah, we like to mellow out or listen to something different sometimes. Like we don't always listen to rap, but I used to do rap myself and I don't listen to rap every day all the time i listen to different stuff so i can totally see that man and that really shows his um like diversity and range as an artist too you know what i mean and it's yeah it, yeah it's just an amazing track dude for sure yeah, you think about music it's it's not necessarily a genre thing it's a mood thing right so it just depends yeah. on what mood you're in what, what you're gonna listen to on a given day or moment even so yeah you know that's that's kind of what the vibe we're going for is just what what touches people the most and he's very like into that very in touch with his fan base and like you said a lot of them have grown and matured like he used to just do straight hip-hop and connected with people that way and those same people that you know say you're 18 19 listen to some old school jelly roll hip-hop well now you're probably in your 30s and and you you have a family and you're a little bit more mature as a person just like jelly roll is more mature yeah. as an artist yeah dude and yeah. so it, it, you grew up with him and now you get to enjoy this ride and, and see, you know, where he's going from here. And I think it's it's pretty awesome. Cool yeah. story for sure. It's it also the lyrics and the mood are really true to him, like as a character and his other music too, because like he's not saying anything different than maybe he's saying in a lot of other records. It's just like you said, it's that mood and it's just something about that melody and that vibe, dude. So very dope, man. Very dope. Yeah, what's um yeah. what's so I guess that's your like everyday gig, huh? You uh you just work for the record label now and you um you just you just manage artists, obviously Jelly Roll and other artists yeah. as well. Yeah, so I work for the management company and uh War Dog Management and uh it's it's me and, and Matt Wallace and uh, we have this other guy Mac that works with us and we uh we have Jelly Roll, we have Still Matthews, um there's a guy named Mikey Mike, uh Atlas another hip-hop guy um we work with this artist named ryan nelson who's a country act um there's josh kaiser there's justin wells these are all just 
really up and coming artists. Uh, some of them you may have heard of, some of you may not, but they're all on Spotify. So if anybody wants to check them out, it's all, kind of all over the place, some hip hop, some like rock rap, some country, some bluegrass, a little bit of everything. Yeah, you guys are really hitting that demographic, like a full spectrum of the new wave. And I like that. That's dope, yeah. dude. Hell yeah, man. I'm excited. I'm excited yeah. to hear what comes out of your guys' camp this year. You guys got all those guys coming out this year, like with new singles and videos and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. We've been we've been working on it, you know, for you know, maybe the better part of a year, year and a half now with a lot of them. And they've been rolling out, you know, visuals. And that's the other side of kind of like what I do is uh, when, I, when I took on this role and, you know, I was supposed to help out a little bit more on like the touring side and like looking at the contracts and all that kind of stuff. Cause I had familiarity with the comedy club and looking at, you know, contracts when they came through and what you know, make sure the payouts were proper. I handled all that kind of stuff. So um, when the pandemic happened, there's no touring. It was like, what do we do? Let's create more content. But, you know, that's where we need to be right now. Cause everyone's at home wishing they can go out and see a concert. So we bring a concert to them through YouTube like in a way of just putting out new visuals and stuff like that that's kind of what we set forth and did over that whole time span and uh in doing that i worked with our video team and kind of started producing stuff which was a little bit of a new role for me and uh you know just, things just took off i mean i think over the past two years i've produced over 40 music videos that are out and uh, some of them have millions millions of views on them so it's, it's pretty exciting Dude, that's so cool to be able to be a part of all that, man. I mean, you're you're a part of something bigger than yourself, and it seems like you're really enjoying the ride, and that's fucking amazing. Yeah, it, it is. And another part of it that's been cool, too, is, you know, like you said about T.I. doing comedy, like Jelly, when they hired me, we sat down in the office, he's like, hey, man, you know, some someday i like to just sit down with you and, and maybe come up with a 10-minute set that I could do if I ever, like, happen to pop in and, like, the comedy store or something like that i was like yeah dude That'd absolutely as i got to know him yeah like he he tells stories and stuff and like I'm like dude that right there that's a bit hold on to that and tell that yeah. story or like when he's on podcasts i'm like if you're on a podcast that's a perfect story for a podcast hang on to that and yeah, uh, dude. using some of the connections i've have with comedy and even at like zany's the comedy club i uh i've helped him kind of like connect to some of the comedians and do some podcasting or like we did that video with andrew schultz and that song with him and and so like that. So it's kind of cool to kind of see both my worlds blending together in a way through Jelly Roll. So it's been a lot of fun doing that as well. Hell yeah, that's sick. Hell yeah, man. What's uh? So what is the what is the process of like when you guys are managing people and like you start developing an artist? Is it like you make a bunch of content and like an album and then you kind of just like you have it all sitting there and then you re do release dates and stuff like that? Or are you guys just kind of drop stuff as you go or because like you said it's so content driven like is there a hold on things or how does that all work and like getting out to the people and like how do you how do you guys get that flow going yeah it, it all kind of depends on like where we're starting with an artist if it's an artist that's pretty like has a pretty good following already or if it's someone who's really starting from like zero almost well the main thing is just making sure that uh everything matches across the board, like all their social media handles and all that kind of stuff. And they are posting or have stuff to post regularly. Um, and then obviously getting in the studio, working on stuff. And if they don't have any like, like songs that they wrote, you do like cover songs and record those and just kind of show their range and diversity to people who really don't know who they are yet. 
people will understand a song that maybe out by an artist that's already well-developed, well-known. So if someone sees that and connects to it and likes that version of it, they may get the follow on social media and then you, you own them, but you don't own them, but you own that like to the point that if you push them anything else, they're going to see it. Yes. So it's just trying to get those numbers up on social media at first, uh, getting a, you know, a website, getting a mailing list, all that kind of stuff squared away. And that, that's something I would, I would say is missing a lot in like the comedy world. And I think comedians, when they get to a certain level, they need to make sure that like all their social media handles match. They got, you know, a website, they got some kind of like mail list, mailing list thing put up and that they're just consistently dropping content. And that's, that's kind of like how we start out Uh, as far as like recording. Would you say the comedians need to be like sending out everything they put out via email or at least, you know what I mean? Once a week or, or whatever with their email list, or what would you say every time they drop merch or every time a new skit comes out or how does that make sense? The same thing as you would do with an artist. Is that what you mean? Essentially like any, yeah, yeah, anytime I mean, something new comes out, you let them know in, in some way via email. At a certain point, the, the, you don't want to burn out all those contacts either. Yes. I think if you just have a consistency thing going, like even if it was like every Wednesday I'm dropping a new, you know, f- clip of my standup or if it's a sketch or, you know, your podcast snippet or whatever, and Hey, we're pushing it. Um, you can do that all through social media platform. Yeah. I would say the email blast for something like a bigger project. Yeah. Merch would be a good thing. Or if you have a run of tour dates and you built up a, a pretty good email list, you may say, Hey, look, I got these six or eight shows coming up. Please come out, check them out. Here are the ticket links or, you know, a couple of them are free. There's no excuse for you to miss it. You know, please come out and see it, whatever. Uh, just share exciting news with the people as, as you're progressing in your career. And people like that kind of stuff. Very good information. Yeah. And, uh, it, and, you know, as far as artists go, like was they're putting out their material. Some, some will work on uh, actual like full project, whether it's like 10 songs, whatever, 12 songs they want to put out. Some of them, like just putting out singles, uh, just, you know, one song every three to four weeks, six weeks, whatever have you on the release date. Uh, we want to make sure whenever they put that, we pick the best ones to do visuals for, whether it's uh, a full on music video or if it's them sitting in a you know room playing a guitar, acoustic, singing the version of that song, we clip it up and, and put it out, you know, on TikTok or wherever it needs to go. Yeah. I mean, so we put together, when we uh, look at a project, we take it's kind of like a checklist, a game plan type thing where we, you know, obviously you have the name of the song and the album art, uh, make sure it's all created. Then you have like a process of uploading it to the distributor. Uh, there's just a lot of different parts in the music industry. You just want to make sure that everything's kind of checked off so you don't miss anything and that you're uh, putting your best foot forward at all times. So that's kind of what we do day to day, helping the, the artists that we work with. It's a lot of metadata and a lot of little things that you got to do, bro, when you're posting. It really is. And especially when, well, like me, I'm a one-man band, which I am i don't have the capacity that you guys do, obviously. But it's like, you know, you can see how easy it is to make a mistake is what I'm getting at. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a typo or forget to put the company's name or whatever or this or that. And it's like, it could be a nightmare sometimes for sure. I'm sure there's been yeah. things on your end you guys have had to redact and stuff like that because of whatever. And sometimes it's not just the <laughs> the YouTube uh, bio because you can change those, right? Or like a post on Facebook. You can edit that yeah. real quick. But if you actually publish something with the wrong info, that could be a nightmare, I'm sure. 
So right, yeah, yeah whenever you like, if we're helping artists like put out uh, social media posts, we might write the copy or help them with the copy. We gotta make sure all the, you know, punctuation stuff spelled correctly and all that kind of stuff with them, and and then also you know make sure it's kind of what they want it to say. If it doesn't match what they want to say, then you know people pick up on it real quick. So yeah, uh, you know that's a more for like the up and coming because like the up and coming acts that we work with have an established like a voice so to say so to speak or like uh they don't know how to really interact with the the fan base that much yet whereas someone like jelly roll he's got it like he gets on there and talks and says what he wants to say how he wants to say and everybody gets it you know what i mean so that's yeah so he actually Uh, we we don't really have to do anything on him that's he's always one of those artists that just have his own he's just steering the steering his own handles and stuff like that jelly's like very hands-on that's that's one thing that's kind of cool about it is like any fan he's interacted with it's a true and genuine thing like I, i've literally seen him with fans and they you know they have some, a lot of stories they just want to know what his music's meant to them and just seen them just sit there and cry together you know what i mean that's awesome. those stories and he'll give him a hug and i've seen him like face to face with someone give out his cell phone number like hey call me i want to know how that works out for you that kind of thing so that's wild man yeah, you don't see yeah. him like that every day. So I, I know, you know, I he definitely deserves all the success he's getting, you know, especially just being a real and genuine person. Because not every artist is like that, especially when you reach, like, certain level of fame. You, some people can really get, you know, kind of convoluted in the whole everyone's looking at me and taking pictures of me. You know what I mean? So it's it's awesome. I oh, mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure some of that's difficult even for him. Like, he did mention one time, like, how – if he goes out in public now, he'll notice like someone across the room, just like snapping a picture, but he's like, all they ever had to do is come up and say, Hey, can I get a picture with you? And he would absolutely do it. You know what I mean? He, you don't have to stand across the room and get a picture of our sneak one. He's like, come get a picture with me. Come on. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's what I'm here for. It's almost like he's getting so big that people are nervous to approach him now in that way, yeah, but he's yeah, still I mean, just a regular a dude and he are, doesn't see it yet. He doesn't, maybe he can't see it himself, you know? Yeah, I think a lot of people, uh, when they do that, they're not trying to be rude or realize that it's kind of rude. They just think that they're being respectful of his time and space by doing yeah. it. Whereas for him, if he's out somewhere, he kind of expects that it's going to happen. Like the people are going to stop him to have a picture made. So yeah. he makes time for that, you know, for a reason. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, he's a unique artist and it just uh, not only is, uh, you know, what he does not musically, but as a human being, he's just truly just a unique person. That's cool, man. That's awesome that you get to work with him for sure. I'm uh yeah. Yeah. Like I said, man, I'm really excited to hear what comes out of your guys's camp this year. Cause it sounds like you got a lot of great artists and a whole range of different personalities you guys are working with over there. So, I mean, uh, I've obviously heard of jelly, but I'm going to be new to a lot of those guys and I'm, I can't wait to kind of study yeah. them. And yeah. I love finding new artists and, and listening to their old catalogs and stuff like that. So that's, that's going to be really fun for me. I'm sure people listening to this are going to dig a lot of those guys too. So yeah, man, dude, thanks for sharing your story, like with comedy and just like with the record business and everything like that. Cause that's a, that's a unique um, transition. You know what I mean? Like I know a lot of people that like, get into the TV biz that come from stand up or, maybe behind the scenes, not necessarily having their own show. A lot of people are like, you know what I mean? Cameramen and stuff like that. So for you to like transition into another level, but also have those same media skills and be able to utilize that. I think that's, 
that's dope as hell, dude. That's you know what I mean. That's inspiration for me because maybe someday if this doesn't work out, then I could have a job at another part of the industry. And inter- you know, it just show it goes to show that entertainment is really more interconnected than I think that we really um, kind of think about when we first take. Yeah, a look man. At it. I definitely I feel I feel blessed. Uh, you know that I you know even after everything happened, the comedy world and kind of like things not working out the way I would have saw fit. Like obviously I, if I had opportunity to run a comedy club, I probably would have still been doing that. Um, but to be able to transition, use some of the skills. And I've always kind of like thought of myself as someone who's able to adapt pretty quickly to anything that comes my way. I mean, there's a lot of things I've done over the past two years working with, you know, General's team that uh, I didn't know what I was doing because I'd never done it before, but I learned quickly adapt and it all works out you know it's just kind of having that grind and just be like okay i'm not going to give up i'm just going to keep going until we make it work and that's kind of that's basically all i've been doing and it's been working so far so thankful for that that's so cool i'm thankful that you shared your story with me and you've been hugely inspirational to me tonight just uh the just the drive that you have dude and like the focus that you, you know that you're having on your career and stuff and i think that's really cool dude that you're fucking you know that you're you're able to share your skills with uh, a different, you know, a different industry. And uh, a lot of people, a lot of people see stuff that you produce and that you're behind the scenes of, and they have no idea. So I'm this is fucking great to be 100%. able to talk to you, dude. It's cool as fuck for me. I, I um, like it. I like yeah. it because it's like, yeah, I've done a lot of cool shit. And yeah, if you go to like my website, uh, you can click on, there's a link that says like music videos I produce and they're all there in one little playlist. But I ne- I'm never like, hey, look at what I did. Look at this. I just put it there so if someone wants to seek it out, they can watch it. But, like, yeah, I'm definitely, like, I've done a lot of dope shit that I'm proud of, but I'm never going to be that guy to be like, hey, look at me. No, because I'm not the main focus. I am the behind-the-scenes guy. I'd rather you not know that it was me and all the attention go to the artists who deserve it. You know, they're the ones really putting in a lot of the work as far as, like, interacting with the fans and creating the, the music, which is what speaks to the people more than the the stuff that i do behind the scenes yeah that's awesome dude yeah can you uh just before we go can you tell like new comedians artists new or old um just any any advice any little pieces of advice that you might that you might think that people don't get out there enough like what's what's a, something that you would share with a new upcoming comedians or artist yeah i would say you know go out there and seek out as many opportunities as you can especially early on uh, all stage time is good stage time when you're first starting out. You can start to be a little bit more selective as you as you go along. But at first, you just want to get the reps in. You want to, whether you're working on the actual material or if you're working on your stage presence, always be up working on something every time you do an open mic. Don't do it for anybody else. Do it for you. Don't do it for the back of the room. Get the laughs. Of course, you can hang out and have you know great camaraderie with the other comics, but you want to feel like you achieve something out of every open mic or every show that you do. Um, I would say don't play into the politics because there's a lot of that going around in a lot of comedy scenes. Um, don't worry about the gatekeepers. If you're not getting the opportunities, make your own opportunities and you know, you'll, you'll get there. The only way that you fail is if you quit. Just keep going out and doing it. Hell yeah, dude. That's awesome, man. I can't wait to listen back to this and listen to, you know what I mean? And, uh, Cause that's cool as fuck, dude. You used to run a comedy club. You know exactly what you're talking about. A lot of people need to hear this information. So, no, yeah, yeah, dude. It was a blessing to be able to talk to you tonight and get to know you and your story, dude. And um, 
Yeah, man, I'm going to send this to you in a couple weeks. So uh, just uh, I'll, I'll stay in touch too, man. I'll, I'll shoot you a text here the next couple of days. And then, uh, and uh, yeah, dude, I, like I said, I really appreciate your time tonight, Jonathan. It was been, uh, it's been really good getting to know you, buddy. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm here for everybody, man. I'm here for you. I'm here for anybody who just wants to bend my ear and talk with it. It doesn't have to be on a podcast. Uh, just hit me up on socials or whatever. I'm, I'm pretty uh, easy to get a hold of if I'm not like, in the middle of something, I'll stop and talk to you or I'll talk to you as soon as I can. And uh, I'm here to help. If anybody has any questions, wants to pick my brain about, you know, what it, what the people at comedy clubs kind of look for and stuff like that, I'm here to help out. I'm definitely going to be uh, picking your brain. And uh, I wanted to save that for like our private conversation, but maybe that is something that other people would like to know, but that's going to be for another episode. <laughs> and thank you very much, my <laughs> brother, for coming. And I'm going to, I'm going to end this thing. Okay. All right, cool, man. Thank All you. Right, thanks, dude.